0: Alright, picture this. A sweeping shot across the Atlantic Ocean with glittering neon from Ocean Drive in Miami on the horizon. The camera flies across the water, deep blue in Floridian twilight. The colors of the clubs illuminate the sky until we arrive at the eponymous club, the birdcage. It's glowing green and yellow, palm trees shining outside the front door, tourists and go-go dancers and folks in highly floral outfits filling the streets until we reach the front doors to find a crew of drag queens lip-syncing to Sister Sledge's We Are Family. It's the opening sequence of one of my favorite movies which just happens to be set in Florida, is The Birdcage starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. The movie is a relentless comedy, quoted nearly daily in my family. In reality, the birdcage club shown in the film is actually a hotel called the Carlisle, facing the ocean on 1250 Ocean Drive. The movie also shot several scenes in the next building over, 1300 Ocean Drive, which can be seen glowing green in those very same opening credits. That building is called the Cardozo Hotel. While the Carlisle lives on as the birdcage and is spectacular in its own right, the Cardozo Hotel has so much history connected to it, it's honestly incredible. First, it's named for Benjamin Cardozo. Cardozo was a Supreme Court Justice from 1932 until his death in 1938. He was considered by many at the time to be one of the most preeminent lawyers of the early 20th century, setting rules in tort and contract cases that would define legal proceedings for decades. When he was appointed to the Supreme Court, it was regarded at the time as one of the least politically oriented appointments in history. Cardozo simply deserved the job. Down in Miami, an architect named Henry Hohauser was making his mark as a preeminent art deco designer along Miami's streets. He built hotels and apartments and even the synagogue for his local congregation. When he opened the Cardozo Hotel in 1939, he named it in honor of Benjamin Cardozo, who was himself Jewish and had just passed away the year before. During the Second World War, almost immediately after the hotel opened, the Cardozo became a space for army bunking, training, and storage. Many hotels along the coasts of Florida, especially in South Florida, were used to support the war efforts. When it eventually reopened to the public, it was a popular spot right along the sea. Almost 50 years later, the hotel was bought by as close to Florida royalty as they come, Gloria and Emilio Estefan. They have owned the hotel since 1992 and last year completed a full renovation. It's still there, over 80 years later shining out to the sea for all to visit. But The Birdcage wasn't the only film shot there, it was a very popular location in the 1990s, but it even makes a special appearance as the central location in a less well-known Frank Sinatra vehicle from 1959 called A Hole in the Head. In
1: 1931, when Mickey Walker gave up the middleweight crown, give me the name of the two guys who fought for it. What are we
0: gonna do, Pop?
1: Answer the question.
0: A ben Jebbing and Gorilla Jones.
1: Right, for one million dollars. What are we gonna do, Pop? Will you stop worrying about it?
0: Frank Sinatra plays Tony Manetta, who runs a small hotel called Garden of Eden, which is, of course, our Cardozo Hotel. He and his son Alvin struggle to keep the hotel afloat, and Tony sees all of the money-grubbing ways of tycoons in 1950s Miami. Near the end, to secure his financial future, he gambles all of his money at where else but a dog track.
1: Please just let me have this one more and I promise you I'll
2: never ask you for anything again. Here comes Speedy.
0: He wins big but decides to go all in on an unfortunate second race.
2: Go, we need you. stay there. Stay
1: up there, boy. Keep going, boy. Come on, Ali. Stay up there. Don't quit, Keep going, boy. Come on, Ali. Stay up there.
0: Don't quit. Don't quit. He loses. He nearly loses his son, but well, I won't spoil the ending. You should watch it. Sinatra's character also has an iconic scene in this movie where he and his son sing a song you might recognize.
1: But he's got high hopes. He's got high hopes. He's got high in the sky, apple pie hopes. So anytime you're feeling low, instead of letting go, just remember the apple. Empty- Oops, there goes another rubber tree
0: plant. This song, High Hopes, would later go on to be John F. Kennedy's campaign song when he was running for president the following year, in 1960. By the time this movie came out, parimutuel dog racing had already been legal in the state of Florida for almost 30 years. In fact, when it was legalized in 1931, Florida was the first state to make wagering on dogs legal. Now, by this time in 2021, exactly 90 years later, Greyhound racing in the state of Florida will be no more.
1: In the sky.
0: So you feel I'm Nick DeLisandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. This week, the end of greyhound racing in Florida, how an amendment became law And how people can make the difference. A little content warning we're going to be talking about animal cruelty and gambling in this episode. If those are too much for you, please feel free to skip this episode and come on back next week. I'll be glad to see you then. If you're ready, then here we go.
1: toy balloon'll be soon They're They're just bound to go goes another problem there goes another problem, Oops, there goes
0: another problem. Oops, there goes I want to tell you a little bit about my high school it was built nearly 100 years ago in 1924. It's named for a man named Howard Lyman who aided in establishing my hometown of Altamont Springs as a city. Lyman School was founded as the local school for the cities of Longwood and Altamont where I have lived my entire life. It became a high school in 1963 and moved to its current location six years later in 1969. Their new location was literally around the corner from their former campus at the corner of Ronald Reagan Boulevard and Dog Track Road. The latter is named for the other institution on that street. The Sanford Orlando Kennel Club, which has been Seminole County's home for Greyhound racing since 1935, just four years after it became legal. My high school's mascot became the Greyhound. Our sports teams, the Greyhounds, our t shirts, Greyhounds, our marching band, the Marching Greyhounds. We were the Lyman Greyhounds, and our legacy is intrinsically connected to the racetrack right across the street. When this club opened, there were 10 Greyhound tracks in the state. Racing had been going on in the state further back, way back, since the 1920s, thanks in no small part to the legendary Chicago gangster Al Capone. Capone had made a home away from home for himself in Miami, and spent the early months of 1929 recovering from apparent influenza and pneumonia. He made himself a frequent guest of the Miami Jockey Club in the city of Hialeah, The Hialeah Racing Club is still popular today. Horse racing was happening there, but the state's archive shows that dog racing has been happening in the state since at least 1922, nine years before it was officially legal. Capone had been active for about four years now, and while living in Florida in 1929, seven men were killed in Chicago by his gang in the infamous St. Valentine's Day Massacre. With his notoriety growing and his public outings in Florida becoming more popular, Florida's new governor decided to crack down. Governor Doyle Carlton was honestly dealt a pretty terrible hand. He was elected to the governorship in 1928 and assumed the position in 29, right at the very beginning of the Great Depression, at the same time as Capone was parading around South Florida. Governor Carlton demanded that Capone be arrested on sight if he ever showed his face in Florida, quote, Arrest promptly if he comes your way and escort him to state borders with instructions not to return. He cannot remain in Florida, end quote. Capone was in fact briefly detained, but was let go almost immediately. Carlton couldn't keep Capone under a net, but he could crack down on one of Capone's favorite pastimes horse and dog track racing. But Florida's economy was at risk. The Great Depression was sweeping the nation. Our tourism-centric economy needed a kick in order to survive, and Miami seemed to be drawing significant cash from the influx of visitors who were attending horse and dog track races, most of which were in Miami, and none more popular than Hialeah. Hialeah was an opulent palace with a lake in the middle of the track, flower beds along the starting lines, palm trees in rows out the front door, and row upon row of shaded seats. Florida needed what tourism brought to the economy, and legislators believed that officially legalizing gambling on dogs would be one effective way to do so. When they passed the bill, old Governor Carlton continued his anti-Capone crusade. He vetoed the bill. The Greyhound bill is then sent back to the state legislature. The bill isn't dead yet. With a two-thirds majority vote in both houses, a vetoed bill can be signed into law and go over the governor's veto. Florida's House and Senate both do so. They override Governor Carlton's veto and paramutual greyhound racing is legalized in the state of Florida, making us the first state to do so in American history briefly, before we move on, let's talk about the term pari spelled p-a-r-i-hyphen-m-u-t-u-e-l. It comes from the French meaning mutual betting and is most commonly used in horse and greyhound racing. It's an extremely common form of gambling. Essentially, everyone picks which horse or dog they think will win and everyone puts money into that pot. Whoever picked correctly takes the pot minus, of course, the commission that the house takes. Florida was the first to legalize, but dozens of other states have followed. Today, however, only five states remain. West Virginia, Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, and Texas. Florida was the sixth, but due to the work of some hardworking folks across the state, we are no longer. Grand Rethink
2: is just an antiquated, cruel industry that has no place in modern, you know, 2020 for heaven's sakes. This was this belongs back in the 30s and 40s when it originally started.
0: That is Kate McFall.
2: And if you ask a young person today if you've been to a dog track, I mean, no one goes anymore.
0: She has been the Florida State Director for the Humane Society of the United States for 8 years.
2: Even some of the industry says that themselves, certainly the numbers show that the that the public is not supporting uh, Greyhound Racing. And we know from our work on all so many years, so many years and all the different tracks that the public certainly just doesn't support cold to dogs.
0: She has a passion for animal justice and she sees hands-on policy change as the most effective way to get to people. It was a draw to
2: the, the policy angle that you can make change, whether it's a county ordinance, a city ordinance, or certainly a state law, that can help so many animals and the, the balance of, of the hands-on helping, which I also do and volunteer with my local shelter and foster and, and enjoy that tremendously. Also with the policy work and advocating at the capital and at the, you know, with your city and county commissioners with decision makers, if they need to hear from people who want to protect animals. And we know that most people don't want harm to come to animals, but the animal Advocates sometimes need encouragement to to speak up.
0: Under her tenure as state director, the Humane Society has succeeded in finally putting the Greyhound issue to rest. The Humane Society, along with many other advocates, have been trying to pass a bill that would end greyhound racing in the state as far back as 2008. Advocates have been vouching for their cause every year when the legislature gathers to no avail. According to the Florida Bar Journal, quote, The commercial greyhound breeders and gaming interests successfully defeated every effort of animal welfare interests, end quote. Year after year, their cause would fall flat. Enter Tom Lee. He's a Republican state senator who served as Senate president for two years in the mid-2000s. He was elected back to the Senate in 2012, representing District 20, which covers parts of Hillsborough, Pasco, and Polk County. In 2017, Lee becomes one of the 37 members of the state's Constitution Revision Commission, or the CRC. The CRC is an amazing piece of our state's politics. They only gather once every 20 years as a means to propose changes or amendments to the state's constitution. This means that they have gathered in 1977, 1997, 2017, and won't gather again until 2037. What makes this group so special is that they can pass amendments straight to the ballot. Most times, for an amendment to make it that far, citizens have to gather signatures on a petition and get it approved, then it can be placed on the ballot. But with the CRC, the legislators there can make a list of proposals, vote on them, and then send them straight to the ballot for voters to choose. When Lee was added to this group in 2017, in the third ever gathering of Florida's CRC in history, he proposed a movement. If it was approved by the voters of florida paramutual greyhound racing in florida would become illegal by the beginning of 2021 in 2018 it was on the ballot as amendment 13. in reality this had been coming for years miami was a success story for the impact of racetracks not that miami was struggling with tourism in general but the popularity of racing was a surefire way to be making cash in local markets South Florida opened dozens upon dozens of tracks and the industry proved to be a massive cash cow. Some gambling locations were using Greyhound Racing to allow them gambling permits so they could keep card rooms open for players seeking blackjack or poker. The dogs were just supporting more lucrative and popular gambling ventures. Smaller beachfront cities started seeking out the industry as a means to supplement their own tourism deficits. For example, in the 1950s, Panama City up in the Panhandle tried time after time to get a Greyhound track built. In 1954, it was put to a vote. If passed, the county would open a track of their own. The movement, however, failed. Even this far back, the tourism benefits did not outweigh people's objections to racing. However, Washington County, just north of Panama City, agreed to open their own track. By the summer of 55, there were 10 races per day people would travel from Panama City north to the neighboring county's track. Today, it is still one of the last 11 Greyhound tracks in the state. Before this bill even passed in 2018, the tracks were shuttering their doors. According to the Miami New Times, at least 40 tracks closed between 1991 and 2014. The Times also states that in that time, quote, the total amount of money gambled on races across the nation fell from $3.5 billion to $500 million, end quote. To survive, the industry was taking money from the state in the form of subsidies. When Tom Lee put the movement forward to the voters, Kate McFaul had no doubt that it would pass.
2: Because we know if we could get our message out, if the average person walking down the street, the average Floridian, in whatever part of Florida they live in, it just doesn't make sense to have an industry subsidized by the state that's losing money and that's cruel to animals that no one goes goes to watch anymore. On, on so many levels, if you've got the um, you know the free market enterprise or the the humane argument, it, either however you look at it, it just doesn't make sense. So we knew we were certain that if we got the message out to Florida voters. If they understood what this amendment did was to, you know, um, phase it out, which is exactly what has happened to phase out. We knew that it would pass. We absolutely knew.
0: Now, we haven't talked about the treatment of the animals yet. It's a hard topic no matter how you stand on the issue. Gray2k is an organization that has been working to protect greyhounds for nearly two decades. They've been collecting data and studying the industry for years. According to their research, greyhounds spend nearly all day in, quote, small stacked cages, end quote. There have been over 400 tests where a dog has tested positive for drugs, and some have even been found on cocaine, about 68 cases. Their main statistic, however, is this, quote, according to state records, a dog dies every three days at a Florida racetrack, end quote. So we've only got a little under a year until it is finally done. Today, nationwide, there are 17 Greyhound tracks. 11 of those are in Florida. We are the last big state to be operating, and in one year, we will be out of the picture. Some kennel owners are trying to halt this change in its tracks via a federal lawsuit. They're seeking due process and are claiming that it would be a removal of their quote-unquote personal property. Some kennel owners are essentially seeking to be paid by the state for the value their dogs possess. Their business is being taken away from them, so they want to make the money back for what this new amendment will be taking from them. Many are rallying around this idea, but nothing has come to fruition yet. So, what happens to the dogs? According to McFall, the greyhound industry is refusing to accept support from the Humane Society and their allies. Well, they
2: don't want to work with us we want to work with them we want to help um and help with it with the adoption with medical costs with any anything to help phase out and help these dogs go from the tracks into homes but the industry does not want help from us so they have rejected our help we continue to offer and they they they're not interested in our help so if there was a group or an adoption group that supported amendment 13 then the industry wouldn't would stop working with that group. There aren't, maybe at the end of 2020, there might be a slight uptick with the number of dogs for adoption, but right now there's really very, very few dogs coming off Florida tracks for adoption.
0: Adoption groups that have been friendly with the industry will likely aid in getting the greyhounds rehoused, but the line has been made clear. What comes next is still uncharted territory. The animal advocacy groups have taken down a historically titanic industry, and that industry is still struggling with the ground shifting beneath their feet. They can't help that a number of items fell into place all at once. First, a state senator who cares about the cause is appointed to the CRC, then his amendment is approved to go to the ballot, then 69% of Florida voters approve said amendment. After decades of inaction and minimal change in just four years, the greyhound industry in Florida has gone from shaky but present to off the map. It will be 90 years exactly since the legislation of greyhound racing that it will become once again illegal. And my high school will probably have to change their mascot. History has a way of shifting like that. Whole communities are built upon the success of a specific industry, oranges, theme parks, greyhounds. When those industries or ventures fall out, no matter how slowly, the fallout could take years. But it still comes. With only five states remaining in the country with legal dog tracks, it could only be a number of years before the entire concept is a thing of the past. For the humane society, it's a victory that they will savor. The stars align for them, certainly, but more than that they were persistent. They banged the drum for over 10 years until someone listened and was able to make a change.
2: Certainly in my lifetime, this will probably be the biggest um, accomplishment for the animals. And the other piece is that this gives us great momentum for other animal protection issues. You know, we know that people care about animals, which we already knew, but now we can really lean on that and look to that and know that that support is there and the public is paying Better attention than they than perhaps they were before. But people do care about animals, so we we love thinking about that, and we know that at the end of this year it will be phased out as we move forward working on puppy mills and other issues that are you know front and center in Florida. There's there's a lot of issues, as you said. Florida is a big, complex state, and it's really diverse. And you know, we've got the panhandle all the way down to Miami. I mean, they're lifetimes away from one another, and all the issues in between.
0: The Humane Society has big issues to confront ahead, but, according to Kate McFall, they are optimistic.
2: Because we know that uh, lawmakers really listen to their advocates, to the people in their district, their constituents, and collectively we can really make a difference, and we are.
1: He's got high hopes. He's got high hopes. He's got High in the sky, apple, apple pie. pie hopes. So, anytime you're feeling low, instead of letting go, just remember the ant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wait Five Minutes. I'm so glad that you are here. If you're brand new to this show, or even if this is your first episode, welcome. There are some really incredible stories waiting for you in the archive. If you're looking for a good place to jump in and listen to some older episodes, you don't need to go all the way to the beginning. I have some that I think you will enjoy. I'd like to recommend last February's episode about manatees or October's episode about Florida's bats. Those are pretty amazing and the bat episode actually features a veterinarian from Zoo Miami named Dr. Frank Ridgely. You will really enjoy those episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review below. It helps this show become more visible, and honestly, it brightens my day. You can also find me and share the episodes on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WFMPod. You can find links for those below, and if you want to send me a message, you can do so at WFMPod at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. I'd like to give a very special thank you to Kate McFall. You can check out more of her work at the link below, but I would also recommend that you see what they're up to on Lobby Day.
2: We have um, Humane Lobby Day once a year. This year, it's January 28th, and it's here in Tallahassee. And it's, it's a day where animal advocates get together and go to the Capitol and talk with their elected officials, with their legislators in support of animal protection legislation. We recommend that everyone do that throughout the year, to have relationships with their lawmakers at their home district. But during session, this is a great opportunity for animal advocates to gather and to hear about the legislation and and the bills and what's happening, um, good and bad, and then to meet with those lawmakers or their legislative staff and uh, politely advocate uh, for animal protection legislation.
0: You can do some additional reading about the history of Greyhound racing in Florida and the work of the Humane Society below. Thanks to Lauren Nix for the artwork used on our social media channels. You can check out more of her art at lauren.nix.photo on Instagram. Nix is spelled N-I-X. All of the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. You can find more of their fabulous music at the link below as well. I'll see you next Monday with another brand new episode. Until then, I'm Nick Delisandro. Be good to yourself, be good to others, and drink more water.